and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks and welcome to, this is a very special episode of the uh, Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success. I'm joined as ever in the Sales Chat Show studio by Mr. Graham Jones and Mr. Phil Jessen. And Mr. Phil Jessen is the reason this is a very special episode, as this is going to be one of the last episodes that we have Phil with us, as Phil is taking a very well-deserved retirement and so early this is one of early, early retirement for a man of his young years. And so this is an opportunity, a very special opportunity to grill Phil. Oh, that right. Grill Phil. Grill. <laughs> we're going to, that we're should going have been to, the title of this. Well, this we, it, the title of this episode should have been A Sales Veteran Shares the Secrets of Sales Success They've Learned from Their Long Career, a.k.a. We Phil Grill. No, we grill Phil. <laughs> Would you like a grilled fill? We grilled. Would you like a... I think that's cannibalism, isn't it? Is it? I'm not sure you're allowed to do that. So, but very seriously, for a moment, we have a fantastic opportunity to pick Phil's brains and what are some of the key things that you think sales professionals should know. So, Phil is sort of reaching the end of a very successful long career in sales. Great episode to listen to if you're just starting out and you want an equally long and successful sales career. So, Mr. Jessam, what have you learned about sales during your illustrious career that you would wish to share specifically with the sales chat show listeners? Well, first of all, thank you very much for that um, introduction, which went so well. <laughs> yes. Hopefully my next five minutes will go somewhat better. Um, what have I learned? Well, I think the first thing that I've learned, well, let me take you back to the very first uh, company I worked for on the sales side and it was one of those experiences where for probably seven days or thereabouts my training consisted of the following I was introduced the glorious history of the company going back to whatever uh, and then of course there was the inevitable product training which went on for days and nights in the form of homework then introduction to all the admin processes and so on. At no stage in my training in my first sales job uh, was the word customer actually mentioned. So one of the things that I have learned since is the value of really understanding your customer in a lot of detail. And for people listening to this for the first time, I would suggest that they Imagine a situation where they are going to see a prospect and the prospect says, okay, well, I've got 45 minutes for this meeting today. Um, but um, before you go into any detail, salesperson, um, I'd like you to give us your understanding of our business. What would a salesperson say under that scenario? So. One of the things that I have learned is that if you are an expert in the customer's world, 
you rarely have to sell because doors just keep opening all of the time if we have that level of understanding about what the customer is trying to do, what their goals are, what's going on in their marketplace, some of the pain that they're experiencing today and how we can actually take that away. So I was just about to ask you, would you have like a little checklist of information you think it was important to know? Mm. But you have just, yes. I think, kind of expressed those. So just recap those. <coughs> so if you get my, your pens or your yes, my, keyboards my, ready, listeners. My little checklist is well beyond who are the decision makers and okay. how does that work. Yep. It's very much about what's going on in the customer's world. What I mean by that is what are they talking about in their boardroom? about their markets, their products, their problems, their pressures, their goals for the future, all of that stuff. Some of the pressures that they might be under from their competitors, for example. And that information, for me, is a very, very important mm. part of being a successful salesperson. And of course, in 2023, a good percentage of that information is available to anybody who conducts a rudimentary but reasonably diligent yeah. um, piece of research piece of research on the customer. It is, and uh, for even if it isn't, um, and the first call takes place, either on the phone or face-to-face, -face, that's still a fabulous opportunity, of course, to say, well, before I go into any detail about what we could do, mm. uh, perhaps I could just ask you a few questions to improve my understanding of your world. So there's plenty of opportunity to acquire that information if you choose to do it. And this has been a recurring theme through, what are we now, 250 plus episodes, the number of times we have revisited the importance of understanding the customer because fundamentally customers buy things for their reasons not our reasons yeah and although your product training that you mentioned would probably provide a whole variety of possible reasons a customer might want to purchase those we need to know what is most yeah important so you know i've had salespeople ask me so if if the customer says come and tell us about your company what should i do and I say, I'd ask them first and foremost, look, I could talk about my company all day long. Um, I don't know what bits of it are gonna be of most interest to you, so could I just ask you a few questions first to, yeah. find, out, to find out what's, what's most exactly that. what's most important. And Graham, from your perspective, your response to Phil's, this is probably not an unexpected thing that we would hear from Phil. No, but I, I think it, you know when you started with the Abacus, of course, in your early sales days, <laughs> Um, that you progressed uh, to the digital world that we now mm. inhabit and um, you can find out information about your customers from the digital world but what you're talking about is talking to them. Yes indeed. Is that, so is that more important than just going on to Google? Oh absolutely, yeah. And uh, there's a role for both of course but yes, face to face asking these questions. So what do you get more from face-to-face -face than from a search engine? Truth. Ah, you, because, you mean there's fibs on the internet? Because well, what, we're probably, what we're probably looking at on Google or indeed the, uh, the prospects last annual report is some well-worded PR. But what yeah. I'm interested in is 
what really sits yeah. behind that. So that's public biased yes. information on Indeed. the internet. Yeah. yeah. But I still think there's a great value in looking at that because then you can ask questions from a position of knowledge, not yes, questions yeah. from a position of ignorance. So I, I noticed that you were referring to your yeah. new product launch, or I noticed that you were talking about your offerings to this particular market. I'd really be interested to know, yeah. you know where that sits as a yeah. priority for you or what some of the challenges you're facing with launching these new products. Yeah. Into the, yeah. And then, you, like I say, because you've got to dig You've got to dig deeper, haven't you, and find out, find yeah. out what those things and, and are. And sometimes I, I would ask questions. To, but you have to Obviously, you have to be quite careful that you don't offend people if the probe is too deep. But I would often say, well, if I worked for you, Mr. or Mrs. Prospect, what would you want me to understand about our objectives for the future? Yeah. So I would appeal to them by saying, well, if I worked for you then, You'd want me to know that. So what is it? Yeah. So you can come at some of these questions from a third party sort of angle, really. And I'm equally amazed, stroke, disappointed that there are still some salespeople who think that having a look at someone's LinkedIn profile before you go and meet them seems like a revolutionary and good thing to do. <laughs> Whereas I would have thought, my goodness, that should be that should yeah. be absolutely minimum. Because where yeah. have they worked before? What jobs yeah. have they done? What are they posting about? What are they commenting yeah. on? What are they like? You know, it's exactly. not just LinkedIn, but their their whole social footprint as yeah. well. But it doesn't exactly. take long, right? It takes yeah. minutes. Five minutes. Minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah minutes. And on a LinkedIn profile or whatever, you're not really going to get an insight into some of the issues that are causing people pain. They're not going to publish that. But of course, pain, as we all know, is a very powerful motivator. And we have solutions to remove that pain. Yeah. And of course, this can be translated if you're making virtual calls as well, or you're using yep. Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever to talk to to talk to customers as well. But the same thing is that, like you say, you actually want to get to the truth about what what what's what's the problems, and you've got to build up the trust in order to yep. have that conversation. So that early rapport building piece, very Absolutely. kind of important thing Vital. to. So, what is number two on your your list of? what you've learnt about sales that you think are most valuable to share with our listeners? Uh, I think the second thing I would point out is where customer loyalty comes from. And years ago, it was probably enough to meet expectations. But I think, as we all know today, it's not about meeting expectations. It's about exceeding them. So within the value proposition that we are selling, there needs to be elements of that and in our own conduct and behaviour that exceeds the expectations of the customer. And another key point, of course, uh, and December is the perfect time to do it in many cases, is to look the customer in the eye and say, well, before we think about the Christmas break, can I just have a look back over the work that we've done for you this year? Here we go, three key questions. Where have we met your expectations? Where have we exceeded your expectations? Where have we fallen short? Because the scorekeeper in any relationship, including those at home, the scorekeeper is how are we doing compared to the other person's expectations? And if there are four key people involved in the decision-making process, guess what? You can have four very different expectations and you have to find out from each of those as individuals how they feel. Don't get them together because you'll end up with a rather grey soup, but talk to them separately and you'll get a more truthful answer. 
And of course, never ask for feedback unless you're actually going to do something with it. Exactly. So you need to be seen to be... Otherwise, you'll fall short of their yeah. expectation. Yeah. And if you need to differentiate yourself against your competition, which we would say that every single salesperson needs to be thinking about because it's becoming increasingly more challenging, where you are exceeding that customer's expectation, if you keep hearing the same message, that is probably one of your potential areas of differentiation because yeah. they see you as, you as doing a, a really, really good yeah really really good job so i know you're a big fan aren't you of this kind of review yes con concepts and, and doing that and at the Absolutely. risk of blowing our trumpets um we've had a number of conversations that that we perhaps yourself graham and myself we don't necessarily have this mad prospecting scramble that maybe some people face because we've all got customers that we've been working with for over 10 years yeah so they have remained loyal to us we've worked and yes. continue to look after them so you know if you do a really great job of, of looking after your existing customers mm. life life gets a whole lot easier doesn't it from it the does. sales point hugely of view so. yeah hugely you know, because if you you can't fill a bath with the plug out, right? So if you're losing, if you're losing business out the bottom, you keep having to put more more yeah. into the more into the so any psychological well, no, perspective. I, I would just like to argue on. with your physics there, because you can fill a bath with the plug out. <laughs> just have um, to pour a lot of water. You just have to put more water. <laughs> yeah. So and it, and in fact, you see that with lots of lots of organisations that, that they spend their life selling to new customers, mm. and they go, well, fantastic, we got another hundred new customers this year. But actually, what they're not looking at is the people who are falling out of their their um, database of customers because you haven't looked after them. And I think Phil's point about getting that feedback and understanding what you can do to improve is really important. At the university I work at, we have a thing where we survey the students constantly, and every term we publish a document that simply says, you said, we did. Mm. So it just says, that, you know, the five key things that they said they wanted us to do and we respond saying what we've done in response to that and I think that's really you make the point very well that's really important for maintaining that customer relationship yeah that if you know if you just get feedback and it's a happy sheet mm. and you do nothing about it then you may as well not have done it in the yeah. first place indeed well also it can give you early warning signs that maybe yeah. things are starting to become a concern for that customer it gives you a chance to do something about them yeah before they before they leave, yeah. before yeah. they go away and they... And I've always believed that there is nothing the customer can say that is damaging. The damaging thing is if they think it, if they feel it, and you don't hear it. Yeah, yeah. That's the damaging thing. So if there are problems, coming back to your point, Simon, if there are service issues or quality issues or whatever, we need to dig those out before we start talking about introducing a new product or going for next year's price increase or whatever, because that will not happen against the background of problems. I mean, I'm not knocking new products and new product development, no. but the success rate is is low. We have, you know, pretty much everybody knows that. So I would say make sure you've exhausted selling existing products to existing customers and all your cross-selling and upselling opportunities with existing customers give it as much priority as the new business development. Piece. I think there's an interesting thing about the product life cycle where people say you know you've got the early adopters and, and then mm. you get this typical graph where sales fall towards the end of everybody's supposed product lifetime 
And so we have to innovate and come up with new products to replace those products that are disappearing. But I think actually that's misunderstanding things. I think that those products that end up in that point of the product life cycle where it's not selling as much as it did at the peak in the middle is because salespeople give up selling. Uh, and they give up selling because they're not asking what is it about our products or about our service that would encourage you to buy more. Yeah. And so actually, we force ourselves into developing new products because we're not asking the kind of questions that Phil's saying. Because for many businesses, the old products are perfectly okay. Mm. They don't need anything new. They don't need a tweak to it. They're yeah. perfectly happy with it. But we give up selling it because we concentrate on the new products rather than yeah. making sure we're delivering what the customer wants. And it's not an either or, is it? It's a both and. We've got to do both. Yeah. Both and. Uh, and one other uh, point I think about talking to customers on a regular basis about how they feel about what we're doing is that against that uh, scenario hopefully where the customer is delighted with what we're doing that is the time to ask for the testimonial yes mm. so well would you mind giving me a paragraph on that and probably the customer will say well you write it and I'll sign it off or, yeah that's quite can I quote you on that yes by all means and that's what we need a crop of uh, live, relevant testimonials, not some dusty old thing from 2016 that is still on our company website. And also providing you don't sort of abuse the privilege by doing it too often with the same customer, they can often be a verbal testimonial, you can give another yeah. potential customer, yeah. Yeah. if you give this, this person a call or allow us to arrange a meeting for you with them, we yeah. won't be involved in it, but you can just ask them any questions you want yeah. to ask. And I think providing you don't do that too much, yeah. that, is, that is incredibly powerful. Yeah. I was reminded when you were saying about you want the customer to be telling you what's going on, you really want to know, <clears throat> was look, when I became a sales manager for the first time and my boss at the time said to me, one of the early things you're going to have to decide is do you want your team to have conversations with you in the meeting room or without you in the car park afterwards, right? They're not happy about something. And I thought it was a great, mm. it's kind of you want to know if something's not right, you want to know yeah, as to know. soon as possible yeah. so, you can, so you can do something yeah, about absolutely it. Right. I think it's really. So what is number three on your, your list? Well, I would, I would suggest that sales is hard work we all know that but it is simple it's simple in the sense that the revenue can only come from four places suspects prospects customers key accounts suspects are people who don't know us and we don't know them prospects of course are people where there has been some sort of contact it might have been a phone call, an email, or a face-to-face -face visit. Hopefully, some of those have been quoted or presentations have taken place, but they've not yet gone ahead. Customer speaks for itself. They are buying from us on a regular basis, whatever you mean by that. And the key account, probably the 20% of important customers that are providing 80% of the business. So one of the things that I have learned about sales is it's simple and what we need to manage the pipeline effectively are the tools that allow us to go through those four boxes of suspects, prospects, customers and key accounts. And of course, if you think about the following year, where we are now making this episode in December, if you think about next year's business, then you go backwards on that process. You say, how much of next year's business can come from my key accounts? 
how much can come from the customers, how much can come from the prospects. I've still got a shortfall of £65,000, dollars, euros, so therefore it must come from suspects. Am I going to get that all in one go? Unlikely, probably in chunks of 10,000 at a time. Oh right, so I'm going to need then six or seven brand new customers coming from people that I know nothing about. And when you start to crunch the pipeline in that way, probably what will happen is that you'll always be ahead of the game and you'll get the result you're looking for with a bit of sugar on the cake. But you'll never be without the result. But also if you know your data and you know your conversion rates, you'll know how many proposals, for example, yeah. you have to send out to turn them into paying customers. Yes. And how many conversations you have to have with suspect yes. suspect customers to turn them into prospective to customers. When you think you of those backwards. prospects that are sitting in the pipeline, there needs to be a tool in there to measure the probability of it coming off. So how does that work? Here's a chunk of business worth £50,000 if it comes off. Well, how likely is it to come off? No more than 50. Well, it's not £50,000 worth of business. It's a £25,000 chunk of business if it is only at 50%. So let's not fool ourselves. We therefore still need to go hunting for the shortfall. Yeah. If the probability increases, we adjust the figure. Yeah, and I think being on top of your pipeline is a critical yeah. is a critical driver yeah. of of sales success. Mr. Jones, observations, commentary from your good self. I, just, I mean, the, these terms, you know, suspects and prospects and all of that. I think they are, you know, they're, they're standard terms that everybody uh, uses. But I think as a customer, I don't want to be called, or a potential customer, I don't want to be called a suspect. Um, so I think the important thing is to not let your potential customers know that you're calling them a suspect in your CRM system. But yeah, but, yeah I appreciate the, the, the reason why you might do it. It reminds me of a, somebody I knew who worked in a clothing retailer uh, who was their top salesperson and had worked out you know, on their own, independently, about the commission they made on their sales in the store, how many strangers they needed to talk to coming into that shop in order to get the commission that they wanted, because they knew how many they would get to become you know, those warm prospects who would then become customers, um, and to make sure that that pipeline of people uh, was there. And nobody, her, her other colleagues couldn't understand why she was selling so much, and it was yeah. because she thought this process through. Yeah, I think my, my experience of doing many joint visits with salespeople, as you guys have done, is that what normally happens, now maybe that's a little bit offensive, what often happens is the pipeline management kicks in for the typical salesperson when they are well over halfway through the time period. Let's call it a quarter. So here we are halfway through the quarter, things are not quite going right and then the salesperson puts all of this thinking into place and then starts to realise that they're actually putting it into place two to three months too late. This is about looking at the typical lead time and making sure that you go quickly on the pipeline management or to quote Linford Christie, the athlete, I go on the B of the bank. <laughs> So if, they, if only uh, they were like you when you started sales with the Abacus, that they would have a visual signal that things were not going right 
from right in front of them. And I think actually that's why a lot of businesses need to install these dashboards on, yes. so that when the salesperson logs in, yeah. they've got a visual clue as to the fact that they're not going to wait till the next quarter to do something about it. They yeah. need to deal with it now. Because and, and I would say whatever that dashboard tool is, the majority of those indicators and needle, needles and dials yeah. should be activity related, yeah. not so for yeah. my person in the clothing retailer how many strangers have I spoken to today kind of thing is a visual indicator on the dashboard yeah. that you've not spoken to enough and is a lead indicator yeah. at its early stage yeah. which will lead to a lag indicator which is how yeah. much money is that person, yeah. that person yeah. spent. and dashboards in Salesforce Microsoft Dynamics whatever CRM system are incredibly sophisticated and very yes. simple. And I'd also say as a best practice, as a sales manager or sales leader, get your dashboard up and visible, get them to look at their dashboards. If you're doing one-to-one -one coaching, get it up and start to use, yeah. encourage them to, be, to yeah. be thinking like that. But your point, Phil, is you know, earlier rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a customer um, client I was working with recently, and they're, they're quite, um, they're quite inexperienced or lack of maturity as a sales organization because they're all kind of professional consultants so they're not really used to and I was doing some work with them and the question was asked how much time should we spend on new business prospecting and I said rule of thumb probably 20% of your time so maybe one day a week yeah. would would be a don't know if you've got any view, I mean depend on depend on the state yep. of your pipeline but as a, as a rule of thumb and don't neglect it when times are good either, because mm. then you, you know the 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 the, the trend will yep. carry on down the pipeline, and if you've got yeah. a famine, it'll it'll pop itself up. And, uh, so we've got focus on the customer, understand the customer's world, find out the loyalty. Where are you with the loyalty drivers? Asking those questions, exceeding expectations, exceeding expectations and kind of keeping it simple, right? Sales yeah. is hard work, but it doesn't have to be difficult. It's a it process. Does. Yeah. It's not some dark art form. It is yeah. a mechanical process that relies on human talent and interaction, of course, but it's a mechanical process. So manage it as such. So have a better, in conclusion, that is about have a deeper, better understanding of the customer than anybody else, yes. potentially even the customer. <laughs> How's that for a challenge? <laughs> Find out how you're doing and do something about it if it's not looking good. Yeah. And follow the process with discipline and keep, yes. your, eye, keep your eye And on in the my numbers. next role in my retirement years as sales director of a company that sells abacuses uh, or <laughs> abacai, abacai, I should be putting those three principles into practice. I thought it was a slate, not an abacus. <laughs> I think abacus came after the slate. I don't know. We shall, we shall now go and Google which came first, the abacus or, or the slate. Just, just find the pictures of Phil in his first job and then you'll, you'll discover. In his bear skins yeah. coming, out of his, coming out of his cave in, in prehistoric times. I want to oh, finish, finish one of the last episodes by insulting our colleague about, about expect nothing less. I, absolutely. <laughs> so folks, there are 250 plus episodes now in the Sales Chat Show back catalogue. They're all available from where
wherever you prefer and choose to get your podcast from. Uh, please subscribe to the Sales Podcast and you'll be notified every time a new episode is released, which they are on a regular basis. You'll find uh, all of our details as well at our website, saleschatshow.com. In the meantime, We'd like to wish you good luck and good selling, which you will have if you follow those three key principles from Phil. You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 